I'm Alicia Mikolaisik Kurtz, and you're listening to another Real Talk bonus feature, just in time for Hanukkah or Christmas or whatever holiday you're celebrating this season. A few weeks ago, we heard a story from Carla Fleming, a postpartum nurse in Fresno, California. Talking with Carla about her experience made me realize that there was one more OB nurse whose story I really wanted to hear. So the day after Thanksgiving, lounging around a cozy fireplace, still in our pajamas at noon with bellies full of leftovers and surrounded by family, Marco and I seized the opportunity to interview my favorite nurse, my Aunt Mary Mikolaisik. Aunt Mary just retired this past summer after a 44-year nursing career. Most of it was spent working in labor and delivery in her current little hometown of Hemet, California. When Aunt Mary started her career, nurses were almost exclusively female, and their uniform consisted of a light blue dress with buttons down the front and a white squared-off cap. Most of the hospital hallways were filled with cigarette smoke, and it was customary to have ashtrays as a courtesy in all patient rooms. HIV had not become a real concern yet, and it was not standard to wear gloves when drawing blood or starting IVs. Now, as foreign and crazy as some of that sounds to a young doctor like me 40 years later, at the same time, listening to my aunt's stories also showed me that so much of our experience training and working in healthcare is exactly the same. You know, I'm from the late 60s, 70. I graduated 1972. And I knew I just did not, you know, I wasn't, well, I'll just be a mother. I, although I want to be a mom, but I, you know, I love school, love science and math. I was highly encouraged. I had a wonderful biology teacher, anatomy and physiology in high school, Dr. Benno, who um, trusted me. I was his first ever female lab assistant. Um, he really wanted me to be a physician. We toured every medical school in Southern California, Loma Linda, UCLA, USC, and, um, and I says, well, I wanted a balance because I, you know, I want to be a mom someday, hopefully a wife. Um, so I, I chose nursing. So I was 18 years old when I entered in 1973. And so I trained at LA County USC Med Center, huge medical facility. And I just remember, uh, Michael, I'm out to help people. But I think what surprised me the most, what we have to do to help people. My first patient, um, when I was a young student nurse, I was to take vital signs, and he had someone attacked him with a hatchet living in a commune. He had stolen someone's heroin. And there was prisoners at L.A. County where they were had the three-point leather restraint to their bed, the guard over them. And I was to go in and take his vital signs to a rectal temp because he wasn't coherent. And he would wake up and hallucinate at me. And I'm saying, you want me to do what and go where? And, um, I, and I just remember I had a senior nursing student. You can do this. Just really encouraged to overcome your fears. And I remember I had to go and irrigate a patient. He had his kidney removed. He was cut open from mid-sternum to, you know, side, and he had his gaping hole, and I had to go in there and irrigate um, this wound, and so I can see his insides, and I just, um, we were just thrust into situations that I had no idea existed. As student nurses, we all worked in the ER, 
And my job was to undress patients and get them ready to be seen by the physician. And I mean, they didn't wear underwear. They had uh, maggots. You know, we were such a teaching hospital. Anything there was new and unusual. Uh, physicians, residents, interns, come over, girls, come look at this. You need to see maggots in action. Uh, and so we were just exposed to anything we studied in a book. I got to see. I just appreciate my instructors. You are there to serve the patient. You are the patient advocate. Um, you are their voice in this system. And you are associate of the physician. Um, you are his or her partner. And so we were just, we were trained to save the world. But as times change, and I then switched into labor and delivery, the role of the labor and delivery nurse is you monitor labor. Um, you are highly responsible for a mother and that unborn baby. So a lot of training on reading fetal monitor. You watch it, um, working with a family. So you build strong bonds. And there's just a heightened sense of responsibility to read, watch for fetal distress. Everything's going well. And then the physicians, you know, they're running their office during the day and they don't want to be called in too soon. You know, wait till we see 50 cents. I want that head down on the perineum. I want to see 50 cents and then you can call me over. Well, it's very nerve wracking. Well, I don't know if she's going to do one push or two hours of pushing. I did, that was a hard learning curve for me um, to judge when they're at zero station, bringing it down to the perineum at 50 cents, is it going to be one hour or five minutes? So I had a good respect of the physicians, but I learned when I called them, I would just say, I need you now, and I would hang up. I would not wait <laughs> to um, explain why I want you here. I just, you know, or if he had a patient in the office, just, I need him now. And you build a rapport with their office staff. Well, he's busy. He'll be there. No, I need him now. And I would just hang up. But we had a good rapport. You know, in the old days, you know, when physicians would come on, we had a really tiny place to chart. You know, would I get up out of my chair to make room for the physician? No. But um, <laughs> if I was charting. But, I mean, we had such a mutual respect. I was just so trained to serve the patient. If she wanted her hair washed, take the time to wash her hair. We were trained in nursing school. We gave back rubs. I always remember asking, you know, hi, I'd introduce myself. My name's Nurse Mary. I am here to help you understand. I will answer any question I can or get the right answer. But that was a mindset. So times have changed and we're so concerned of liability. And I think we're managed by business people that do not have a pulse of healthcare. It is an art and a science. You have to have that scientific knowledge, but you have to have the art of compassion. If you come to a patient and a lot of everybody comes to the hospital usually scared, they don't know what's wrong. I was just so trained well to read faces, build a relationship with a patient right away, and just show kindness and mercy, um, just slow down life. If you don't have that art of compassion, why do we do what we do? You have to blend the art of nursing. If you are kind and just slow down and listen, the job is rewarding. 
as I tell young people, most of us will be in a career for 40 some years. If you do not enjoy what you do, and if you are a miserable person, you're going to be miserable to your patients. And we cannot be. And it's a hard job, but I can say it's a great career. I love being in healthcare. Highly recommend it for anyone. But understand, we work 24-7. It's not a Monday through Friday job. And I think people are shocked that, oh, yeah, you will work holidays. You will work Christmas. You will work Thanksgiving. You will work on family birthday party days. Um, and that's just the life we're in right now. And you need to have that expectation. But it's a very rewarding career. Aunt Mary was a nurse for 44 years. That is literally longer than I've been alive. And with all the studies showing how burnt out physicians and nurses are, I asked Aunt Mary, did you ever experience that? Why do you think burnout is so common for people working in medicine? So you have to have a personal definition of who you are as a person to make it. You cannot be a timid personality. I was challenged too, you know, I many a time, are you a real nurse? And I remember one of the nurses would say, see that RN? That stands for real nurse. But um, nursing strengthened me. It helped me stand up for what I believed in and my voice. And I've been accused now of being a dominant personality. But, uh, but the pressure of the life and death in the hospital world was huge in labor and delivery. And all my experience, I think I've, we've only lost one maternal death. We were calling for, we need help now, and bleeding, hemorrhaging. We've, uh, you know, there are some really bad hemorrhages. I, we've done several hysterectomies um, before, what's hemabate now? We were using hemabate at the time. But the tension um, when you're going in, the tension was high. You know, I had a good husband to come home to and listen to my stories. But we would talk it out, though, too. Because um, we recognize, because in labor and delivery, you always have two nurses. And so we would vent and just say, oh, my goodness. But you have to have that outlet where when I did school nursing, that pressure was gone. The work volume, the frustration of working in public education, but nothing like life and death. And, I, and if I felt it, I know the physicians did too, because it's intense. I, I will say it's very intense. Whether it's ER, OB, you, you have to find a way to deal with it, because otherwise you will, you will crumble. You will go into doubt and uh, feel that sense of failure. One of the questions we asked Aunt Mary was about moments that stood out to her. After being a part of over literally 1,000 deliveries, being a Lamaze teacher, and serving for years as a school nurse, what is it you remember most? What do you carry with you from your career? When you're in labor, um, there are moments you think death would be welcome. <laughs> There, you know, pushing. I said, you know, let Lord take me now. This is too intense. Um, so it's such an emotional event. We were at In and Out several years ago uh, with all the family at Christmas time, and this lady says, "I hate to interrupt you, but 
I want you to meet my daughter. You, I don't know if you remember me, but 15 years ago, um, you were my labor nurse and I want you to meet my daughter. Um, I was getting my nails done a year ago. And I'm this lady started saying, well, hi, Mary. And I'm looking at her, so I don't know you from Adam. You know, I'm thinking, what is your name and how do I know you? And she said, you know, I took your Lamaze class 30 years ago and um, I went with my daughter. I was her coach. And I said, oh, how nice. And I was just at a funeral uh, last week. And there was one labor and delivery. I will never forget. He was a dairyman. And it's interesting to be on labor and delivery with dairymen. They birth cows, but they are fearful of human birth. <laughs> but anyway, he, his wife, and when you teach Lamaze, you know, I always would forewarn the partners, uh, women be, develop a labor personality. I don't know if it'll be a nice personality, but it's, you're going to see a range of emotions, men, women, whoever the coaches are, be prepared. This woman was just evil. Um, she had a mean tongue. She treated this poor husband, who was a dairyman, horribly. She was cursing him out. And then at one point she said to me, you get out of here. But she'd point the finger to me. You can stay. Okay. Well, I, you know, the poor husband's just melting. He just felt, you know, those big deer eyes. I said, you know, it's going to be all right. Let's just listen to what she says and then we'll make sure you're here for the delivery. I have never forgotten. I used his story teaching Lamaze for years. Well, I'm at this funeral just last week and I see him and I walk up to him and he says, are you Nurse Mary? Michael Isaac, Michael Isaac. And, uh, and I says, yes. I says, I just have to say, I remember your birth of the, you know, over a thousand, I'm sure I was on, but yours, I've remembered. He says, Oh, yeah. And I told him I've used your example so many times. And, you know, he just looked at me and said, it was rough on one. I said, yeah, it was. I just felt so bad for you. And his daughter is now 37 years old, has children of her own. And we were just laughing. And he said, I am so glad you came up and said hi, because I've, you know, I remember it well. And I just treasure that because as, as I have birthed three sons, I remember the intensity of the emotion and... There, that last one, I thought, well, I'm not going to make this. I'm not going to come out alive. But, um, but anyway, good memories. And I thought that was so sweet of people to take the time to say thank you. So just as a reminder, it's all worth it. It's crazy to think about all the lives we touch in healthcare. Or for my Aunt Mary, all the women she has labored with and the babies that she has been the first person to wrap up in a little blanket. I love that the most memorable piece of her career is realizing the part she has played in the first moments of thousands of people's lives. It can be really challenging to be at my best all of the time at work, but listening to her was a great reminder to me. It's a privilege and a burden to be a care provider. For doctors and nurses alike, we don't really get to have bad days. We are called on in our profession to put our own ish aside and to always be there for that patient and their family, many of whom will remember us for years to come. So after that moment of thoughtful reflection, Margot asked Aunt Mary, okay, what is a time where something happened and you just cracked up laughing? Tell us that memory. 
One, I remember um, working labor delivery, we had dad change into scrubs. And so I handed him, you know, I thought shirt in a pants and sent him off to the dressing room to get changed. Well, he came out in his little, you know, a boxer undies and his shirt. He says, you gave me two shirts. And, but I, I need, you know, cause it was just tense. So he's just coming in and says, okay, I'll find you some pants, but, um, get on in there, but get in there now because baby was coming. In OB, we did GYN surgeries too. So we had the young and the old, if we had a beds available. We had four rooms reserved for GYN surgeries. And um, I had this one older lady, and she's probably in their 70s. And so I, you know, I go in the room, hi, I'm Nurse Mary. I'll be taking care of you getting ready for surgery. And do you want me to call? I always, Mrs. such and such, or do you want me to call your first name? You can just call me Mrs. Nasty. And I says, okay, Mrs. Nasty, because um, I don't want to be here and I don't want this. I says, well, let's talk about it. And because um, she was just totally upset. Um, she didn't want the surgery. I says, well, you have to sign for, you know, just gave her some choices and options why the physician would want you to have this. I'm just getting her to, to calm down. But I, you know, so I called her Mrs. Nasty and, um, I says, okay, if you want to change it, that's fine. But right now I'll honor your request. And, um, but she was just, you know, just intense. And so I was the sounding board for her anger. And I just showed her kindness. You know, I didn't react. Okay. Well, I'm not going to tell you anything then. I could have easily said, okay, enough of you. Um, but anyway, you know, you just got to return. Um, it recognize where the anxiety was coming from. And, but yeah, she was a fun one. In the beginning years, your OB doctor did the circumcision for the little boys. But then the pediatrician said, no, these are my patients. I'm gonna do the circumcision. So the peds and the OBs got into a circuit war, we called it. Um, Cause the OBs would say, okay, I'll do it for $50 cash. Um, if you let me do it. We had these wars going on between the two groups. So um, one of our jobs was if you had to work rotated to the nursery, which you did, you had to have two specialties. And back then we all rotated ever. So you put the little boy on the circuit table on the little board and got him ready to go. Well, there's two methods, whether it's a Gomco method or the Plastibel and whatever they wanted. Well, one time uh, with a Gomco, you needed a scalpel. Well, the nurse, I'm looking for the right blade and the physician um, needed, and um, I couldn't find it. And the doctor, scalpel, scalpel now. And, you know, he's got the Gomco clenched and he needs to cut off that little foreskin and I don't have the scalpel. So, and he, Mary, where is it? Where, well, give me a minute. I, I can't find it, you know? And so I go running out of the nursery and I'm going, girls, I need eight blade scalpel now. And um, so, um, and so they, everybody's scrambling to find the right size. I said, I've got the baby ready to cut. Well, I need it right now. I was just, you know, urgent, urgent. And um, so I go back in, they come running in with one. Well, from that day on, so when I left, they reenacted my um, demand for this scalpel. In my department, I never lived that one down. While I was sitting there with my family, listening to Aunt Mary tell us all her stories, I kept thinking about how, while medicine looks different in a lot of ways, it still 
feels very much the same for me now as it did for my aunt when she was starting her career too. It's grueling and intense and demanding and constant, but it's also fascinating and unpredictable and hilarious and touching. And it's like no other career or job that I know of. Our lives intersect with our patients for these moments. These moments where, in some cases, their lives are changing forever. And we get to be there and and be a part of it. We celebrate with people as they welcome in the newest additions to their families. We grieve with others and help them say a final goodbye. We hold their hands through heart attacks and strokes and reassure them when it turns out it's just the stomach flu. So if you're a doctor or a nurse or anyone else out there working in healthcare, please know you are making a difference and your patients do remember you even years later. You are a permanent memory in their life story. And even if they don't say it, they really are grateful for you. And if you're not working in healthcare, but you're still here listening to this, do me a favor. Next time you interact with the healthcare system in some way, whether it's your doctor's office for a checkup or a trip to the ER or whatever, say thank you to the people taking care of you. I know that from the patient's perspective, it often feels like just a whole lot of sitting around, but I promise you that these people are working so hard and they're doing it because they care so much about taking care of patients like you. Thank you, thank you, thank you to my Aunt Mary and to all the other nurses who, in spite of all the challenges we face in the healthcare system, keep showing up shift after shift, year after year, devoting their lives to caring for others. I'm Alicia, and this has been another Real Talk bonus feature. Want to connect with the Real Talk podcast or record your story with us? Head to vituity.com slash realtalk for more information or email us at realtalk at v-i-t-u-i-t-y dot com.